It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on Newstalk 95.3. Michiana's News Channel, your breaking news and weather station. With financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran, and Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett, and the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. Welcome to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group here on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's news channel, the show that helps you take your next wise step in your financial life. My name is Mike Bernard, and alongside me is Josh Gregory, my business partner at KFG, and a new voice, a new face here in the studio with us, Alicia Boehner, but she's not new to us. She's one of the insurance advisors at our team at KFG. We're looking forward to today's show. Thanks for spending the hour with us. Yeah, we've been anxious to have you on the show, Alicia. We've been waiting patiently for the opportunity to get you in the uh, in the studio here, tap into your brain, all of your expertise and everything. I don't I don't know how many of our listeners even are aware that we have an actual insurance agency, which is a whole division of Corhorn Financial Group. We don't we don't talk about it that often, I don't think. Um, but you head up that area. You're you're uh, not only one of our rock star insurance advisors, but you uh, you lead the team who specialize in working with clients and uh, small businesses, that sort of thing, on figuring out what coverage they need to have. So if you're listening today, we've got the right person in the room to help us unpack this topic of uh, home and auto insurance in particular. And we're going to be answering some of your questions. If you have a question for the show, you can give us a call, 574-222-2000. Or you can go to the website, wisemoneyradio.com, and there's a spot to submit a question right there on the right. Both ways will get to us, and we'll address your question on an upcoming show. So Alicia is no stranger to us, but it's her first time on the air. So Alicia, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Thanks so much for having me today. So my name is Alicia Boehner, and I am originally from Napanee, Indiana. Grew up there most of my life. About three years ago, my husband Scott and I got married, and we moved to South Bend, Indiana. We've lived there ever since. We have one daughter, Leona. She's about seven months old. Yeah. I have been with Corhorn since about 2008, but I've been in insurance for, well, since 2002. It feels like an eternity, but like yesterday. <laughs> yeah. That's know, true. one of those relationships. <laughs> it's hard to remember the days before you were on the team. It's hard to remember the days before I was on the team, yeah, so I go. agree. <laughs> well, Alicia has been my agent for years and years, apparently since 2008, you just reminded us here. And I've had the advantage of being able to just run down the hall and chat to you about my insurance over the years and have certainly uh, asked you to go to bat for me with an insurance company here and there. I I remember when I added honeybees to the farm. (laughs) Apparently insurance companies don't like honeybees. Neither do humans. (laughs) (laughs) Insurance companies don't like many things that they're not sure of what could happen. So, Well, that's Mike for sure. Yep. So, so talk to us about what a typical day looks like for you and, and how you help people specifically. Great. So part of what we do here at Corhorn is we do a lot of analysis on the front end. So people come to us and we have to gather as much information as possible. A lot of times if you go to get a quote online, you might ask a couple of questions, be asked a couple of questions uh, here and there, but they don't really do the full research they need to do in order to give you the coverage that might fit your personal financial situation. So I think that's one of the big things that makes us different from other agencies is that analysis on the front end. 
I mean, most people don't know what their coverage exactly. is. And we're going to get into that with some of the questions we're going to tackle. But most people don't know what their coverage is and really don't know whether it's, it fits with their overall financial right. life. And so what you're saying is you take time on the front end to hopefully bridge that gap yep. because most people are uh, really don't know. My so. perception is that, is that that's pretty unique as well because yeah. I don't think most clients disclose or, or most individuals out there disclose very much of their financial life to their insurance agents. Right. So it does kind of leave you wondering, well, how in the world do they get the right insurance in place if they haven't really talked through their whole financial life with their insurance professional? Right. And it's up to us to ask the right questions. If we don't ask the right questions, we don't get the right information back. And then we can't give them the policy that makes sense for them. And sometimes that can be a nuisance. Too many questions. I just want to know. Right. But, get, you know, cut Alicia and the team a little break. <laughs> we I'm appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So in all your years of insurance experience, which is how many? How many? Since 2002, I've been okay. in insurance. Yeah. So what's one tip? We're trying to help people on the Wise Money Show. So what's one tip you would give to help as many people as possible about insurance? So I think the biggest tip I can give to people and... Uh, I might catch a little heat for saying this, uh -oh. but, <laughs> but insurance really was intended for the big things. It wasn't originally intended for the small things. So if you can think to like examples of fire or tornado, those are the types of things that a homeowner's insurance policy was originally intended to cover. It was never meant to be a substitute for proper financial planning or an emergency fund or things of that nature. So I think that's one tip is just understanding that because the types of claims that you file will ultimately dictate not only your rate and price that you pay per year, but it will also impact everyone else in the community around you. You know, I'm, I'm really glad that you went there because every once in a while, you know, I have a client who, you know, breaks a window or gets some paint damage on their car or hypothetically crashes their tractor into their garage door. You a, cl a client that does well, that? Well, that might not have been a client. Oh, it okay. might have been that's, you, Josh. Again, that's hypothetical. Uh, but how, how do people, when they're dealing with these theoretical small things, how do you decide on when to file a claim, when to actually use your insurance? Because a lot of people, you know, they, they have these events occur and they think, well, this is why I have insurance, right? Right. Well, I think the best thing is to call your agent and have them walk you through the process. Because what we're going to do is we're going to ask, again, more questions to help figure out, well, what's your deductible? How much is the damage? Is the estimate that you've received to repair the damage enough over your deductible that it's going to make sense to actually file that claim? Because if your policy only pays out $200 and then the company ends up charging you at renewal because you filed that claim, you may find that the amount your premium goes up, which is the amount you pay, is now more than what you received for filing that claim in the first place. Right. Can the insurance agent usually tell you that? I mean, so you're saying call your agent first before you're filing a claim, before you get too bent on this is what I'm doing. You guys can really discern, yeah, we expect that the rate's going to go up 5% or 10% or something like that? We generally won't be able to give you an exact figure of how much it might go up, but we can tell you, yes, this is your first loss, it will be a surcharge, or no, it might not be a surcharge, which the surcharge is just the additional amount they charge you for filing that claim. Gotcha. And my understanding is that the surcharge is a, it's a temporary increase in your ongoing premiums, right? That's exactly it might last right. for what, three, four years, five years, something like that? It depends. Like that? It's usually three or five, depending upon the insurance company. Okay, so that's their policy that they set. Yes. And But, but is that... Is that separated out? I mean, would, would someone who's paying insurance premiums, would they know that they're being surcharged? 
Is it a separate line item or did they just see an increase in their premiums? I would venture to guess most people don't even look at their policy in the mail. So I'm going to go on record for saying I doubt they would know without asking their agent. So my kids have started T-ball. And uh, they really weren't good to start, oh, no. to start to hurt my feelings. <laughs> you know, they wore the family name on the back of their shirt at the game. So we really, so we started practicing. <laughs> we got the T, we got mitts, and well, we they had mitts for the team. But anyway, we get, had to get these T-ball baseballs and everything. And, and I'm not kidding, last night we're out in the backyard practicing. And I'm lobbing it to them and they're doing okay. And But we're out there for like an hour. And so I'm thinking, dad wants to get, wants to let one loose here. And I, so I took the bat. And I said, all right, pitch one to me. And of course, it was way, it was a terrible pitch, but I swung for it. It was about a foot above the window where oh, I no. actually hit it. It <laughs> landed square in the gutter, thankfully. A, a, like a one foot difference from where I would have hit this thing and we would have cracked the window. And what you're saying, don't that, had that happened, it probably will at some point. Right. Don't file a claim for don't. that. Don't file that one, probably, Mike. Okay. <laughs> Wait on something a little bigger. Gotcha. Because the we're talking about the house here. If you have a big loss or claim on the house, that can jeopardize whether you can actually get insurance. Not to scare anyone, right? But Right. That's actually accurate. So most companies will give you one claim, but even any more two in a three-year time period, you might be non-renewed. So non-renewed, you kicked to the curb, in other words. That's exactly right. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, so what does someone do if that happens to them? If that happens to them, then they're going to have to go back to their agent and say, hey, this company no longer is offering insurance. But if you have a good agent, they're going to already know that and have reached out to you and done the homework to find you another carrier option. But in a really bad situation, you might have to go to the state pool to get homeowners insurance. Wow. Oh my and that all presumes that your agent has other companies that they can offer to you. That's right? exactly right. That would be working with an independent agent that offers more than one carrier. Very okay. good. So Alicia is here with us in the studio. We're taking uh, questions. We actually, we're fielding our questions right now about home and auto insurance. But coming up in just a moment, we're going to be taking your questions, everything you're going to want to know about home and auto insurance as far as what deductible should you have, coverage limits, all that stuff. Coming up, we've got Stephanie's question about how to insure a rental property. We're going to get Alicia's wisdom there. So uh, that and more coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group here on Newstalk 95.3, Michigan's News Channel. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's news channel, your breaking news and weather station. Hello, welcome back to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group here on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. My name is Mike. Next to me is Josh. Next to him, new voice, Alicia Boehner. She's an insurance advisor with Corhorn Financial Group on our team over there. We're talking about home and auto insurance, and we're going to be launching into questions in just a second. Quick reminder, go to wisemoneyradio.com to submit a question or give us a call, 574-222-2000. We've got Stephanie's question coming up here in just a moment about insuring a rental property, but we we left off with a few of our questions, and there's one that we didn't get to that I think people are going to want to know about to avoid mistakes in the future, and that is, what's the biggest insurance mistake that you've seen someone make? So I think the biggest mistake someone can make, it's not necessarily a particular thing, It's the allure of online shopping for your insurance. And admittedly, I'm a little bit biased because I'm an agent, but we help a lot of folks every week. And one thing that is very common that we find with people who are insured and they purchase their insurance online is that they're missing coverages. Inevitably, they'll have medical payments or maybe un- and underinsured motorist coverage, 
and they don't have it and they don't understand what it is. They didn't know they were missing it. And we have to be the bearer of bad news to explain that they don't have this. Mm. And a lot of times I think it's because there's this, you know, tug of war that we play between the price and the coverage. And so people might think, oh, well, I'm going to name my price. I'm going to give them my budget and that's going to help me. Well, it helps you stay within your budget, but it doesn't help you if you find out at claim time that the coverage you need is missing. Right. Just last week, somebody medical payments didn't have it at all on their insurance. Oh my goodness. They were horrified when they found out. Yeah. yeah. Did they did they find out because it was a claim or they found out because you were reviewing the coverage with them? They found out because we were reviewing the coverage for them oh, and I goodness. said, I don't see medical payments. Can you just verify? Maybe it's just not shown, but you have it. No, she went and called them and she did not have the coverage. Wow. Yeah. Big deal. I f- Go ahead. Josh. Well, I was just going to say, I, it, I would wholeheartedly agree with you that this does seem to be the, at least maybe the most frequent temptation that people have to focus on the price and not to really spend the time understanding what coverage you need versus what you have. Exactly. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, online shopping, which is kind of what you highlight, it doesn't even have to be online, though. It could be someone that you just called out of the phone book who knows nothing about your financial life, who's just trying to lob out there a, a good price to entice you to work with them. Yeah. Right? And I think also that sometimes people think they're going to get a better rate online through an online carrier, but that's not always the case. Sometimes we will compete against some of those companies and we find that we are a better price that's for free- better coverage, which is not awesome. Yeah. yeah, that's frequently not the case. As an interesting segue here to Stephanie's question, I was thinking back in my history in insurance and working with uh, folks for financial planning. And the biggest mistake I saw is someone who actually turned their house into a rental oh. and the tenant left until it was vacant. Oh, no. And then someone came and vandalized 61 days or it was literally just a couple days after they were supposed to tell us right. that it was vacant and they never did. Right. And literally someone broke in and spray painted, just ruined everything. No coverage. And so, and so that's, that's a, that's a mistake, it's bad news, right. but it's a segue to Stephanie's question here. So let's let's turn our attention there. She says, she's from South Bend. She said, my husband and I got married two years ago. And since then we've lived in the house that I bought before we were married. We're looking, into, we're looking to move into a new house and are thinking about turning my house into a rental. My question is, how does the insurance work if you own a rental house? Do I keep my same policy or do I get a new policy? What do I need to be aware of? Yeah, I bet that happened a fair amount in the aftermath of the housing crisis. I bet it's still happening, though. Yeah, people can't really sell their house at an acceptable price or for whatever reason, maybe they're upside down on it and they need to move on. And why not just try to at least get some sort of income out of this deal uh, to help cover the mortgage, that sort of thing. But at at least she's asking the question, right? A lot of people... A lot of people don't ever even ask. Right. (laughs) I, I would imagine that that happens quite a bit. That does happen quite a bit. So enlighten us, Alicia. Okay, so when you're talking about insuring your home, there's three different ways it can be covered. And really everything is based upon occupancy or who lives in the house. So if the owner lives in the home, then that's considered a homeowner's policy. If a tenant lives in the home, in insurance jargon, we call that a dwelling fire policy. Then if no one lives in the home, they call that a vacant dwelling fire policy. Hmm. So there's three different ways it can be looked at. They all are almost always their own policy. So yes, she would certainly have to have a different policy. And the rates can vary very dramatically between a homeowner's and a vacant dwelling fire. What about, okay, so I want to get to the vacant dwelling deal, this example I gave, but what's the price difference for you living in the house 
homeowner's insurance and just dwelling fire. So you, so Stephanie decides to turn this into a rental. Is there, do you have enough information? Do you know, is the price going to be similar? You'd expect it to be higher or lower. What do you think? So homeowner's policy will usually be the lowest. Tenant occupied will be the next lowest and vacant will be the highest cost. Because that's the biggest risk to that's an exactly insurance right. company. Things go wrong in houses where people aren't living there and monitoring them, that sort of thing. That and also know that the coverage is the broadest. You have the most things that the insurance company is going to cover when you live in the home. Then if a tenant lives in the home, they're going to cover less items. Then it's more cost. Yep. And then even less yet that they'll cover on a vacant home because like you just said, Josh, it's higher risk. They want to cover less and they want you to pay more to cover that extra risk. That's so what are the types of things that will go off of the, the protection when they convert this house from their home to a rental then? So yeah. it, it kind of depends. Vandalism and malicious, malicious mischief, they call it. That on a vacant policy, you have to pay extra if you want to have it. So if you don't ask for it, you're not going to get it automatically. It comes at a price. A lot of other things when the home is vacant, if your plumbing, your pipes burst and water damage happens to your home, if you don't have utilities hooked up in that house, it may not be covered. So there's just a whole oh host goodness. of things that might not be covered. Oh my goodness. So if you are considering this or have considered it, you have got to talk to an agent. I'm learning. I've been doing this for a long time and that's really helpful. So how long, so say, say they rent they, or they, they make their house a rental and it takes them 45 days, a month and a half to find a tenant. I think that that might be a little long, but certainly within the ballpark of what's possible, would that house be considered vacant if it was unrented for 45 days? Well, really vacancy is usually between 30 and 60 days that we're going to look at. Okay. But what I would tell people is just communicate, communicate, communicate. So make sure you call your agent and let them know because we have flexibility. We have relationships with underwriters. So we can contact the underwriter and just say, hey, this person's planning on closing in two weeks or attendance moving in in three weeks. Can you give us a little bit more time? And as long as we've documented that into the system, then we can often get someone that extra time. But if you don't communicate, we don't know and they're less apt to make an exception there. Got it. Yeah, that vacancy issue is one that you and I have had conversations about. I right. had a client who got married and each spouse had their own separate house. They decide they're moving into his house. Yeah. And hers, it, it's empty. Right. Um, you know, she still has furnishings and things like that there, storage and whatnot. And she visits the house every single week to mow and to just keep up on things. But defining when is the house vacant, right. uh, there's a big difference in the price tag for sure. So right. what, what about... What about, we would never recommend someone buy a rental or have a rental that's owned by them personally. I'd want you to have that inside of an LLC. Refer okay. back to our show with Jamie Haig. Uh, yeah, that's great advice. Attorney. Mm -hmm. So does the insurance change if we tell Stephanie, yeah, go ahead and do this if the numbers work, put it in an LLC so you're not liable, but does that change the insurance price or would you need to know that it's in an LLC? We definitely would need to know if it's in an LLC. Some companies, it really won't change a whole lot. They'll just add that LLC name onto the policy, but other companies might require that you have more of a business type policy for that. Gotcha. A quick question here. You know, we've been focusing on the landlord side of this, but yes. can, can you say a word or two, you know, what's your best argument for or against renter's insurance? If you're a renter out there, as opposed to the, the landlord instead. So if you are renting a home, you certainly are going to want renter's insurance to cover your belongings. Also make sure that you know 
that if you're living with someone and they're not a blood relative of yours, their belongings may not be covered on your policy unless you both purchase the policy together and have that created appropriately. So that's one thing that I think we run into a lot now is, you know, people live together and when they live together, they don't think that their stuff might not be covered or their, you know, significant others' belongings might not be covered. So that's important to know. But if you don't purchase that renter's insurance, if you lose your belongings, you really have no coverage for that. Is renter's insurance necessary for our listeners that send their kids off to college in the fall? That's a really great question. So most of the time when someone goes off to school, as long as they are living in on-campus housing, the parent's homeowner's policy will cover a percentage of what that policy's contents have offsite. It's usually 10%. So for example, if I have $50,000 for my stuff, then I'd have around $5,000 offsite to cover for my kids' belongings. But remember that the homeowner's policy deductible will apply. So if it's a $1,000 deductible and Johnny's got his laptop and it's stolen, that $1,000 deductible will apply. Good. And it's not going to cover the roommate's stuff either, just his stuff. Good stuff. Good point. More home and auto information with Alicia Boehner coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group here on Newstalk 95.3, Michigan's News Channel. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel, your breaking news and weather station. Welcome back to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group right here on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. I'm Mike next to Josh and Alicia Boehner is joining us. She's on our insurance team. She's one of our insurance advisors. We're talking about home and auto insurance today, tackling some great stuff. I learned a bit in that last segment. We were answering a question from Stephanie about turning her house, basically her and her husband getting married, buying a new house, taking her old house and turning it into a rental. And we pretty much answered the question, but on break, Alicia was sharing a few other points that Stephanie or someone in this same situation really needs to be aware of. That's right. So I just want to let you guys know, one thing that's really important is to do some tenant screening up front. Make sure you ask the tenant things like what types of animals they have. Do they have a trampoline or a swimming pool? Do they have a home-based business? Because all of those things are things that underwriting might not allow in that home. And you could find yourself at an impasse where the client, the the tenant says, hey, I have this pit bull. I'm not getting rid of it. But your homeowner's insurance company says, we're not going to insure the house with that pit bull there. So just ask those good questions. What about bees? If a renter has bees. <laughs> Probably no bees. Sorry, Josh. Very the other good. thing is that I want to throw in real quickly, make sure that you require your tenant to have renter's insurance. You don't want your policy to have to pay the liability if they invite friends over and they slip and fall and get hurt. No doubt. I was going to bring that right. up too. I mean, same thing with the LLC. That goes along the same lines. So it's your screen and tenant's. Make sure that they make them get, contractually make them get renter's insurance. That's exactly right. Yeah. Okay. Good stuff. Uh, up next, we've got David's question. David's from Mishawaka. And this is, I think, these next couple questions, everyone's got these questions. So it's really good stuff. David from Mishawaka. Over the past several years, I've noticed my price continuing to go up for my home and auto insurance. I haven't had any claims or tickets during that time, yet I keep paying more for my insurance. I've started looking around online but not sure exactly the right deci- the right direction to go. Is it common for my insurance costs to continue to rise like this? What do you suggest? You know, I think this might be one of the biggest things that confuses people about the home and auto insurance industry as a whole. You know, speaking for myself, I fully expect that my health insurance premiums are going to go up every single year. Obama right? said right. that's not going to happen. Well, <laughs> that's not been reality, has Keep it? Keep your doctor. That's right. <laughs> 
But, you know, home and auto insurance, it seems to fluctuate. It could be up, down, wherever. It really does. And anytime it goes up, it, it feels like I'm being penalized for something, right? right? Mm-hmm. So it, this may be worth um, explaining to people just how the insurance industry as a whole works, how they price things. You know, give David some hope here, I guess. <laughs> okay. So I'm kind of back to the tug of war. There is this tug of war that also happens between insurance companies where they chase one another's tails. So if somebody lowers their rates a bunch, everybody else has to lower their rates a bunch in order to get and keep business coming in the door. But on the other hand, they need to stay profitable. So I guess the short, an- the short answer is that a company is going to do whatever they have to do to be profitable. Sometimes that will mean they take a small little increase every year and they hope you don't notice. But other times that means we want to be the lowest. We don't take any rate increase. And then three years from now, we take a massive increase. So it really is about each company and they kind of determine how they're going to do that to stay profitable. How would someone know what they're, you know, if if they're considering a new insurance company, how would they know what that insurance company's history has been? If if they've been stable with their premiums or if they've been all over the place, is is that something they'd ask their agent or is there a way to look that up? That's exactly what you do is ask your agent. I had a conference call with a lady last night and she asked exactly that question. She said, so how will I know my current company, my rates have been just all over the board, up a bunch, then down a bunch, then up a bunch. There's no consistency. What is the company like that you're you know, suggesting and recommending for me? And I said, this particular company is very stable. We have companies that do the other as well, where they tend to fluctuate. So it's all just about navigating that world. And if you have a good agent, they're going to walk you through that. Hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, this is definitely an example of where your insurance planning can have a a significant impact on your budgeting, right? That's exactly right, yeah. Well, and the, the, you mentioned something there, Josh, that I think we should park on for a second. And if David's out there feeling like I'm getting ripped off, my cost just keeps going up, but I'm a good risk, mm-hmm. insurance company, why are you you know, raking me over the coals here? Mm-hmm. He first needs to look at what's his overall financial situation require? Right. What, 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 I mean, you mentioned this, Alicia, at the beginning of the show, talking about our approach, that we ask a lot of questions to see what's your overall financial situation like right. so that we can tailor the insurance package or whatever, the coverage, to suit your needs. And so, David, I'd be careful about being so price sensitive. Now, we all need to be price sensitive, That's okay? Right. <laughs> but to, I'd be careful about being too price sensitive and kind of ignoring the coverage. You first need to see, all right, what's appropriate for my situation? Do you have kids in college? Do you, you know, do you drive a lot? What's, you know, what's your neighborhood like? That sort of stuff. Your overall assets and financial situation, you've got to consider all of that to make sure that you know that you're looking at the right coverage. I agree. You know, we had one of our other insurance advisors come talk to our financial planning team this past week, and he was explaining surcharges and, you know, the the penalty for having a claim and, and all that. But in light of that, he also talked about the benefits of being loyal to one company for a while. That's longevity, a really great point. Yeah. yeah, longevity benefits. Exactly. Yep. You know, that's that's something that I don't think I've given enough um, attention to in mm-hmm. the past. Um, but there are some benefits to riding through those fluctuations in prices, sticking with a company for a period of time. Because if you do have a claim, they may have some sort of claims forgiveness or you know a, an advantage to sticking with them for a while. The key, though, and this is for David or anybody listening, is making sure that you're being loyal to the right company. Right. Mm-hmm. Right? That it's a company that, you know, is one that you can trust long term, mm-hmm. that will pay when there is a claim. And 
um, you know, hopefully that you don't have too many surprises on the price tag as time goes on. Right. I agree. So what are some examples of some longevity benefits? I think on the commercials right now, you hear about accident forgiveness or we'll give you some of your ref- or your, some of your premium back. But what's typical? Is that it or are there more bells and whistles they throw at you? So a lot of companies will do a claim-free discount that you can build up over time. It's a percentage that they add on every year. Some of them, instead of doing claim-free, they do a longevity discount that they build up over time. Accident forgiveness is one that you can earn into some of our companies, it's six years. Some of them, it's three. If you want three years, you pay more to get three than if you have six years. So there's that. A lot of them will have diminishing deductibles where every year your deductible might go down a little bit. So that's a really great point, Josh, because when you talk to your agent about the idea of leaving, you want to know what you're giving up. Because in one claim, if you've earned in that diminished deductible, you could have just saved yourself 500 or a grand. Mm-hmm. Where right. if you're saving on your rate every year, you're only saving $100, well, then maybe that no longer makes sense. So you want to know all the information before you make a decision. And just consider this, what we've talked about so far, is be wary of a company luring you in with really low first-year cost. So imagine, David, if you're shopping around online and you just go with cost alone, you might not be getting the coverage you need. And then when you get your renewal bill, they might jack that price up a considerable amount. And in order to go with this new company to save money really for just one year, you may have given up a lot of longevity benefits. So it, it really requires a good relationship with your agent and, uh, you know, talking through the whole situation. But I also want to chime in, don't be too cynical because I've encountered people who have said, this, this rate is too low. It's too good to be true. When in yeah. reality, they just have been being ripped off. And oh my goodness. They so didn't long. realize you're gonna, you're it. You're going to use that that phrase you're going there right <laughs> <laughs> okay we've already Call talked about we've already talked about the dangers with the name your price approach and that's heavily advertised on tv but i mean the, the what you're saying alicia is that you may not be comparing apples to apples or it may not be appropriate for your situation can you talk more about some of the dangers of just the name your price kind of option or having that be your first criteria yeah Really, the ultimate end goal is if you have a claim, claims usually are really hard, hard things. So I can think of people last year, we had a house fire. We had two people that had serious auto accidents that had hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of injuries. That is not the time you want to find out that one of those coverages is missing. And those people came to us, they were broken, they had no idea what to do, and they were afraid. That's not the time to find out that you're missing something important. So just be careful. You know, that that underscores the seriousness of insurance, you're right. And, uh, you know, when someone's going through a claim, it is often the worst day that they've experienced in a long, long time. And maybe someone else has experienced things even worse if they were the victim of an accident that you caused, that kind of thing. And and it, it is important to pay attention to the fact that there is an entire industry out there that advertises by making us laugh while thinking about insurance, that insurance is a joke. I mean, they do yeah. have some of the funniest commercials, right? Right. Yep. But it's a serious thing, and hopefully this show is driving you to go contact your agent to give it a closer look than you have before. Steve's question's coming up. It's everyone's favorite question, what should my deductible be? We're going to answer that with Alicia coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel, your breaking news and weather station. 
Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran, and Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett, and the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. Hello, welcome back to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group here on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. Along with me in the studio is Josh and Alicia Boehner, one of our insurance advisors over at Corhorn Financial Group. We are taking your questions right now, everything relating to home and auto insurance. And if you have a question for the show, go to wisemoneyradio.com. And actually, you can get a link to all the previous episodes and everything that you may have missed here. But you can also leave a question right there on the right. There's a spot that you can fill out, answer your question. That email actually comes right to me. So, and I'll get it on an upcoming show. Another way to leave a question is give us a call, 574-222-2000. That voicemail comes to me as well, and it'll be answered on an upcoming show. So, Steve from Elkhart is asking everyone's insurance question, and that is, what should my deductible be for my auto insurance? But really, it's... What should my deductible be, right? So I, I think that might that? be a new record for shortest question from a <laughs> listener here. Uh, you might be right. What's that? Uh, like I don't eight, know, a handful eight, of words there. Words. Steve's a man of few words, but a lot to unpack there. You know, I would actually reframe this question just a little bit um, because there is a bigger issue here than just what's my deductible. I think the question that I would propose is how much risk should I keep on my shoulders? And it's not just the deductible, right? I mean, we, we all know that the, the deductible is the amount that you have to pay out when there's a claim before the insurance company kicks in their dollars, right? And how you set that price is, or, or that level of deductible is going to affect the price and everything. But there's a whole lot more ways that you and I get to decide what amount of risk stays on our shoulders. And it has to do with what coverages we put in place. So. That's right. I almost wonder, maybe, Alicia, you could walk us through the different types of protection that someone gets when they buy automobile insurance and maybe give us some thoughts on trying to pick the right amount of insurance. Sure. So the main types of coverages you're going to have are what do you do to injure someone else? So you're going to have coverage that pays for the other person's injuries. You're going to have coverage that pays for your own injuries, and that's usually in the form of medical payments. Then you also have coverage that will pay for your injuries if you are in an accident and the other person, unfortunately, has no insurance or maybe not quite enough state minimums, and that's called un- or underinsured motorist coverage. Oh, such a that's crucial That's a huge component. one. Yep. So, and those really, I want to highlight those because when we think about a home or when we think about a car, those items are quantifiable. I can look up, do some research, figure out what it would cost to rebuild your house. I can do some research, figure out what it would cost to replace your car. What I can't do is look at my little crystal ball and find out if you're going to be the one that has a really serious auto claim. And if you do, how badly those other people will be injured. So that risk is really unidentifiable by us. And it's one of the most crucial parts of your coverage. Yeah. And what is it that, and I don't have the stat in front of me, so listeners don't, don't quote me on this, but like 85% of people surveyed say they're a better than average driver (laughs) so that un or underinsured motorist coverage is very very important because that is what if someone hits you and injures you and they don't have enough coverage to meet well and what are the statistics on people driving out there without insurance isn't it 20 30 percent something like that i mean it's it's a high number folks who are ignoring the law Mm -hmm. and are not driving without insurance. Maybe they're not even driving with a a driver's license for all we know. So to make sure that you are protected, uh, this is an important part of your own coverage to put in place. 
in case you're the victim of an accident by the wrong person. Right. And then we continue on and we have things to cover your car itself. So comprehensive. That covers theft, fire, vandalism, glass claims, causes of nature, or if you hit an animal. So we normally think of those things as types of claims that are outside of your control. Collision is what we'll pay if you hit anything other than an animal. So I always tell people, if you slide off the road in the winter and hit a tree, that kind of wasn't your fault, but that's still a collision. Mm. If a grocery cart blows into your car, that wasn't really your fault, but unfortunately, it's still collision. What if you hit an armadillo? <laughs> it's an animal. <laughs> oh, okay. part I of think that would still be comprehensive. <laughs> I have done that. I have hit an armadillo with my car. No way. I'm and not around here, as you'd imagine, but road trip in college down to Oklahoma. Oh, goodness. It was at 2 a.m., Armadillo. All huh. the good stories happen on a college road trip, don't they? <laughs> well, I had an yeah. Amish buggy back into me, so oh, let's throw that right. one out there. <laughs> I do. I remember that. So, so that's where. So, okay, you've unpacked the the coverages and deductible. Josh, you started by saying, "Hey, this is bigger than just." Uh, here's how I interpreted what you said: It's bigger than just insurance. It's actually your entire financial situation. And here's where having your financial act together saves you money. So a different a way a different way of saying that is being financially undisciplined costs more money, right? Yeah. Because if your financial situation isn't strong enough to handle, let's say, a five hundred dollar deductible, so you need a two hundred and fifty or a hundred dollar deductible, you're going to pay more for your insurance. That's exactly right. Right, and so uh, you know you've got to look at your overall financial situation and those big risks that Alicia talked about earlier, making sure you've got coverage for that, but then. What's your cash flow situation like? What's your bank account situation like? How much deduct deductible can you actually afford and absorb? Yeah, you know, going going back to Steve's question, the what is the right amount of deductible? It, it seems like setting the deductible high enough that it gives a meaningful reduction in your premiums. Right. You know, it affects the budget and helps things uh, there. But keeping it low enough that you can actually cover that deductible if you have some sort of a claim without wrecking yourself financially, right. right? So you have to have a strong emergency fund in place or some sort of steady savings plan where you're building up the dollars that would cover that deductible if the unpredictable and the unquantifiable uh, event occurs. Like right. an armadillo? Right, like an armadillo There's or an Amish no buddy. better example. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and I would also just chime in and say, have them work it up a couple of different ways. Don't just assume that it's going to be 500 or that it's going to be 1,000 because I've quoted people who had, you know, really great claims history, no claims, no tickets, no accidents, and they were in the sweet spot and drop into a 250 deductible made hardly any difference. In that case, maybe you want to stick with the 250. Mm. Um, so, you know, look at it a couple of different ways and really work with your agent to figure out what the best scenario is for your unique situation. Just because you set that deductible down to 250 doesn't mean that you would suddenly turn in a claim right. for $500, though, no, right? No, that's exactly right. You still would want to make sure that claim made sense to file to begin with. But if you have a total loss on your car and you're going to be replacing it and it's a $12,000 vehicle, you're going to file that claim and now you only pay $250 instead of $500. Yeah, I, don't, I think a lot of people don't realize that they have an insurance history out there, similar right. to having a credit report. You know, the, the whole insurance industry knows what kind of claims you've had, what kind of tickets you've had, Mike. 
Um, uh huh. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Sounds like the permanent record. Like you're in you're in school, and the teachers are saying, "And can I go on your record?" That's right. Can I also dispel the myth? If you take defensive driving class, it gets rid of your points, but it doesn't remove it from your history. We're oh, still going to know. know. That, Mike? She was staring right at me. That's right. I'm a great driver, guys. Uh-huh. I am a great. Just driver. A little fast. Didn't hey. you call me last week, Mike? Nope. <laughs> didn't happen. Okay, so what about PLPD? We I mean, were talking about deductible, and there's jargon there. Josh, throw something at me. Yeah. Uh, but what about what about dropping your deductible altogether and saying I don't want any coverage for the physical damage on my car? When does that? When do you when do you do that? Yeah, and you need to unpack PLPD there. Okay. My wife's going to ask me about it, and I don't want to have to him haw and stammer around. Just hit it for us. All right. So the easiest way for me to explain it is: Do you want coverage for your vehicle? If the answer is no, I don't care about my vehicle, I don't care if it's covered, then you want PLPD. And that just means you're covering liability. So you're going to pay for the other person's injuries if they get hurt. You're going to have uninsured motorist, underinsured motorist if you get hurt and they don't have the right insurance coverage, and you're still going to have medical payments coverage. So you're basically saying, I don't need coverage for my car, I'm getting rid of that. But what if you hit someone else's car? If you, you hit... If you hit someone else's car, that's a great question. You have property damage, and that will still be covered even with PLPD. That's that the is PD the PD, right? Yeah. And the PL is personal liability? Property damage. Wait, okay. So personal liability and property damage, which means insurance to protect the other guy or gal and to fix their vehicle or their fence or their sign, whatever right. you hit. Yep. But what's not happening is your car is not getting fixed uh, on the insurance company's dime. And anymore, a lot of times we just call it liability only coverage. So you might hear it called that as well. Gotcha. So after 10 years, maybe when your car is 10 years old, or is there no rule of thumb? Well, I'm going to ask people, first of all, do you have to have that car's transportation? Because Mm. if the answer is yes, I need this car, even though it's only worth $500 and I don't have my emergency fund built up and I only have $100 to my name, I still need to have full coverage on that car with a really low deductible until I get that money saved up. So I would just continue to ask yourself those types of questions. The next question is, how much is my car worth? So if my car is worth, you know, maybe $1,200, then I'm going to say, okay, well, how much is my premium going to go up? Okay, uh, that's great stuff, Alicia. Thanks. Hey, I want to thank Alicia for being on the show today. And as always, thanks, Josh. And on behalf of me and Josh and the rest of us at KFG, guys, have a great weekend. And we'll see you next week here on Wise Money with Horhorn Financial Group, News Talk 95.3, Michiana's News Channel. Securities are offered through Securities America, Inc., member FINRA SIPC. Financial advisors offer advisory services through KFG Wealth Management, LLC, doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC, Corhorn Financial Group, KFG Insurance Agency, and KFG Tax and Business Services are separate entities from Securities America, Inc. Tax services provided by KFG Tax and Business Services and insurance services provided by KFG Insurance Agency. Listen again next week to Wise Money on News Talk 95.3 Michiana's News Channel.